Hey everybody, my name is Alex and this is Lunchbox Radio. Now, before we get started on the podcast proper, I wanted to, first off, as I always do, go encourage you to listen to not only the most recent first week of news show for um, for November, but also the most recent third day edition, which will be the third day edition before this. That's all about my um, revised thoughts on Demon Slayer because that's that show's taken some turns and I wanted to touch back on it because I was kind of it was remarkable to me how much of an odd turn it took. Now, in addition to that, we are coming up both on Anime NYC, which I will be going to. So if any of you listening are going to Anime NYC. Um, you can find me over on Threads. There is always a um, link to the to my Threads account on in the description of the podcast. And if you're at all interested in like meeting up or like saying hi, shout, give me a shout on Threads, and I will probably see it. But um, we can figure it out from there. But the uh, but in addition, we are coming up to December and. More importantly, the 27th of December, which is a Wednesday, where I will I will try to have a, like, in anticipation of podcast going out. But I will be traveling internationally. Specifically, I will be going to Japan for the first time in my life. Um, and so I will definitely be releasing stuff around that. But I will be in Japan for right about three weeks. So um, I'm going to have a shit ton of fun. <laughs> But also, the podcast will get a little weird because it won't be about anime. It will probably be more... It might be more... It will be irregular, but it will probably be more frequent because it will probably kind of turn into a, like, travel log of just, like, here, I went to Japan and saw this and saw this cool shit. Like, check it out. Um, and all that stuff. And also, if you want more live, a more live version of that, definitely go check out my, um, Instagram and Threads feed. Once again, both are linked. And that actually holds true for Anime NYC, too. Um, both of those are linked in the description of this podcast. So definitely go check that stuff out. Now, on that note, let's... Let's get started with what we're talking about this week, which is not, which is not Pluto. I will straight up say Pluto is going to happen next week, kids. If you came here and you're like, ooh, Pluto, I, I had, I had weirder business this week. And that's a little film from 2023. That's right, kids, from this year called Knights of the Zodiac. Anime considered. Lunchbox Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, as part of, like, just me being a weirdo who watches entirely too much shit, um, I have been, um, not, I'm not going to say goaded, but convinced into kind of cataloging everything I've ever watched and read and, you know, it, and when I say watched, I mean movies and TV. And I started using this, um, this app called Sequel, which is a great thing to do that. It also, it does what I can, it solves a problem for me of like, I'm a big person who's like, what exists? Like, who, who, in the moment, I can tell you, like, oh, I want to watch this, this, and this, this season. But in practice, I will forget all about that shit. Like, I have no permanence in terms of remembering when a show is, unless the show is so good that, it like, compels me to watch it. Like, even, like, at, like, days after the fact. Like, a full week after the fact. And I'll just forget. I will just forget to watch that shit. Um, I also have this thing, and I've talked about this before in my, um, brain. It's like, oh, you really like the show. What if you just didn't watch it? You absolute dumbass. Um, so I started using, um, thanks to the installer newsletter from David Pierce over at The Verge, the famous tech website. Um, I started using, um, SQL to, like, catalog all this stuff. And it's going about as well as you might expect for someone who has seen... So much anime, like hundreds upon hundreds of shows, like uh, just a staggering amount. But my point in this is, is that one of the shows that I have a lot of shows that I saw very early in my like anime viewing life or even before I kind of fully knew I was going to end up an otaku um, who like devoted part of his entire being to like being an anime fan, uh, you, you encountered... You encountered like an odd mix of shows that were certainly Americanized and certainly that that were both Americanized but clearly not American. Um, and it, it will set so these shows in retrospect. If you're listening to this, will sound weird to you when I say them. So like one of these was just Pokemon for a long time. It was just Pokemon. Like if you've ever heard the Jelly Donuts joke about Pokemon, that was people, mostly four kids, because this is what they did, this is what four kids did, they did it to One Piece, probably the, in the most egregious ways, they tried to, like, westernize Pokemon in a way that, like, Pokemon kind of resisted being westernized, because, but also was a great, like, target for that kind of thing, because if you've ever seen Pokemon, and you know nothing about Japanese culture. There are a few tells about Japanese culture in that thing, but not much. And the rice balls was one of them. And, like, it would have been so much easier to tell, uh, you know, a 10-year-old, like, this is what a rice ball is. But, like, nobody wanted to fucking do that shit. No one was ever going to do that work. No one was confident that the parents would ever do that work. So they just made them into jelly donuts. <laughs> My point is, 
is that there's a period of time for most of us who are, you know, especially old anime heads, where we watched anime without even knowing it. When we watched anime, that stuff that was... We, we would later understand to be anime. A perfect example. Voltron. I watched Voltron when I was a kid. My brain never would like, oh, this is different from other cartoons. My brain was just like, this rules. Um, or something like, um, like Gotcha Man. That was, that was the original Gotcha Man, not Gotcha Man Crowds. It's a different thing. But the original Gotcha Man, I forget what they called Gotcha Man, because it definitely wasn't called Gotcha Man was just on sometimes, and I would just watch it. But, oftentimes, the way you see cartoons now are not necessarily the way you saw cartoons in, like, the late 90s, early 80s, early aughts kind of thing. People all the time want to decry American cartoons as, like, Tom and Jerry. And yes, there's a whole set of stuff that, like, Tom and Cherry, the, like, Hanna-Barbera, all that stuff. But there's also stuff like Space Ghost, which if you've ever seen the original Space Ghost, that shit's weird. Space Ghost is like, what if we did He-Man kind of in space? And then there's He-Man. So there were things, there were things usually, based, or like the X-Men, X-Men, or any number of, like, weird so close to what anime does, but not quite things. Like, there was a Men in Black cartoon. There was a Ghostbusters cartoon, famously. There was a Western Godzilla cartoon with baby Godzilla. Like, it... Shit got weird there for a second. But my point is, is that you couldn't... The lines were pretty blurred, especially as a kid when you have no point of reference. And... You just kind of were like, ooh, draw, draw on TV, watch it. And this is how I saw a lot of Saint Seiya, like a lot of Saint Seiya, a AKA, as it was called in the West, Knights of the Zodiac. And like looking back on what I've seen of Saint Seiya, I can tell you, this is a shonen, this is a shonen action show, but it's like, Red prime meat for the Fujoshi fan base. It just is. Like, girls are super into Saint Seiya for a lot of reasons. A, lots of pretty boys with lots of feathery hair because it's from 1986 or the 80s or the 70s, most likely, because that's how long it takes to make shit a lot of times. But also, like, there's a cross section of, like, pretty boys. In shiny, in like shiny armor, crossed with Greek mythology, crossed with they're all kind of simping for one lady. <laughs> like it's very easy to figure out, like oh hey, this thing's kind of made, for, this thing kind of made for girls. <laughs> like not not as hardcore, like. Boys can certainly be in the same say, and I'm sure there's a huge male Saint Seiya fan base. But at least in America, like this thing is engineered for like te angsty teenage girls, <laughs> and and then it kind of faded away the way everything fades away because it never 
for a certain section of anime, especially from the like mid seventies to the late to the mid to late nineties, they would never like they never really got a fair shake. And what I mean there is like they weren't the stuff people that like my generation was immediately exposed to easily. So like you had to be a really specific kind of nerd to go seek this stuff out. The, you know, Saint Seiya was no Pokemon. Saint Seiya was no Dragon Ball Z. Saint, you know, or Zodiac Wars with no Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z. If you were a girl and you were and you were you could be like a target for this kind of thing, you were also well served by Card Captor Sakura, by you know, um, or Sailor Moon. Most likely both. And so like. It has a following, but it has a following of people who became hardcore anime fans, became, like, serious otaku quickly enough to, like, seek it out and, like, find it. And as with everything with a Japanese, in Japanese fandom, there is a fandom for, um, for Saint Seiya, for, um... For the show, but where should I put this? It it's certainly not the newest thing. And then there was this like weird rush of Netflix money into the animation industry, into the Jap into the Japanese animation industry, and like a whole bunch of weird stuff got made, like I. Chief among them, a a Saint a Saint Seiya series was made in two thousand in in twenty twenty, and at some point, at some inexplicable point in the world, Sony, Sony Pictures, like Sony of like the um fame, Sony Pictures decided to make and release for Western audiences. I want to be clear about that. This was made primarily for Western audiences. A Knights of the Zodiac feature-length film. <laughs> and I discovered this more, probably not sooner than people, but like in a way that I know most people didn't because from what I understand, the trailer was not widely that widely distributed. I was in, I forget what I was, what I went to go see, but I went to go see a totally di different movie. Nothing in the Saint Seiya mold even, like not, like it wasn't even an anime movie. And I'm just sitting there going through the previews and as I start, and as the preview, as this one preview's playing, I like sit up on my seat, I'm like, Saint Seiya? Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was like witnessing a like Saint, a, like a Knights of the Zodiac live action film. I saw, I, I was like, is this real? <laughs> but like, I like looked it up after I got out of the theater. I wasn't like so obsessed with it that I like forgot about the movie I saw at the time. But like, I got out of the theater. I'm like, oh yeah, that weird fucking trailer happened to, to my eye brain, to, to my eye holes. And I found out that they made this thing. And then a couple, like a, I want to say like 
probably about a month later, they reviewed it on Anime World Order. And I was just like, oh, I gotta listen to this. It, I, I, I have to. I have to listen to this fucking thing. I, because they were also like, who does this? What crackhead <laughs> was like, hey, you know what we're gonna make for an international audience? Not like a good Dragon Ball Z film. Not like a good insert anime film. Or not even like a passable anime film. A Saint Seiya movie. And we're gonna, but also we're gonna like not get so. This was a problem with um, and I've I've noticed this. This was a problem with the live action Cowboy Bebop, which I've also talked about on this show. These companies are starting to know when they fucked up. And what I mean by these companies, I mean like any of the streaming company, any of the streamers or film studios, they are no longer like just push it on the. They, we anime fans are no longer an easy target, and they know that. They're not going to push, like, Dragon Ball Z evolution on us ever again. If they make the thing, and the thing is just a hot pile of quivering trash, they won't promote it. And actually, when you when you think about it, the first instance instinct of, like... A studio not promoting a live-action adaptation of an anime because they kind of knew they had like a turd burger on their hands. It's probably Ghost in the Shell, the live-action Ghost in the Shell. Now, is that movie terrible? No. It. I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say it's good. It's okay. It's like a fucking clip show, that thing. And the most interesting thing about the Ghost in the Shell, like, movie is the work they put in to get the final product. Like, all the production stuff they did. Cool as fuck. Steve, Steve Aoki notwithstanding. <laughs> um, but the final product was just kind of, like, was super controversial because... Instead of choosing a Japanese actress or Japanese-American actress, instead of opting for representation, and I know why they did it, they opted for Scarlett Johansson because they wanted to... They wanted to give that movie the best fucking shot they could give it, and they were hoping that ScarJo would put butts in seats, and that just, I, I can almost guarantee that shit didn't happen. And I think that there's been, like, a breakdown of that entire concept since because people are realizing like oh if the thing's not good people still won't show the fuck the fuck up and the so you so so and then the next the next most most I would say the most recent version of this is um the live action cowboy bebop show Netflix knew they made a stinker they knew they fucked that shit up there was no way they couldn't have but they had but if you don't know anything about movies and all this stuff at some point the machine is just gonna do what the machine does you've already stuffed the money in it's going to spit out product even if that product is hot trash um if you've ever seen 3d printing happen or seen 3d printing being done it's a lot like that. Like, once it starts, 
you can stop it in the middle, but it will still be a disaster, so you might as well let it finish. And so, they, like, put the live-action Cowboy Bebop out, and they just, they just didn't promote it. They downranked it so hard you had to search for it. Um, and even in the search, I think, like, you typed in Cowboy Bebop, and it was still, like, five rows down. It was like, please don't fucking watch this shit. Core. All of us weirdos went and found it because we were fucking curious. But it was very strange. And so, that kind of happened with this film. With this movie, rather. I don't want to call it a film. It's definitely, like, a movie. But the thing that... The thing that's weird is, is that... Uh, so, a movie like... Um, like, this is the end from um, Seth Rogen with Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and the, that whole thing. Is that's what's considered to be a cheap movie. This thing is just cheap. You're paying basically the actor fees and some like nominal stuff. It's considered to be a cheap movie. This movie was not cheap, did not seem cheap. It was not, it wasn't immaculately produced. Did they spend the most budget and time on? The effects? No. But it was not like... It didn't seem cheap to make. Which, once again, like, you spent all of this money on this thing. You have Sean Bean in the damn thing. Um, as a character. And... Who, who by the way, Sean Bean, best fucking part of this movie. <laughs> by far. And if you want a reflection on how good this movie is going to be, Mark DeCascos is in <laughs> If you don't know who Mark DeCascos is, I'm going to call up a, an image in your brain. Think of the guy who hosts Iron Chef. Think of the chairman from Iron Chef. You see him, you see him in your brain now. That's Mark DeCascos. And for a lot of you, you're like, holy fuck, he has a name. He's not just some eldritch being who exists in the narrow space of which there is an Iron Chef play show happening. No, that's a human being. He's on, he's in films. He is a very much a working actor. He's been working like consistently for decades. It's real weird. But he's not a great actor. For example, he's in um, a Netflix exclusive thing called Blade of the 47 Ronin. It's just bad. It's just bad, guys. I, I hate to tell you, but just bad. But he's like, he's a character named Mylock in this, and he is. He is the full Dick Haskos. And he has a scene that is the full Dick Haskos, if you will. He has the same. He has the same but less char charming kind of energy as Nicolas Cage, if that makes any sense. Um, but the, my point here is, is that this, this film, and the other thing about this film is that it, it did so much shit it didn't need to do. It's like, it did the stuff that you would do 
if you were trying to fucking Americanize a thing as a, as an American like as an American licensor, you would want you would think you'd want to because you're like, oh, they'll never understand this shit. You gotta change it, and um. And that's a, that's a really common, there's a really common desire by movies to want to adapt something, but do a, but do a poor job of telling what will play and what won't play in a new medium. Because it's absolutely stuff that films change all the time to make slightly better. And oftentimes the best targets for like books to be adapted into films, the stuff that is the most satisfying, is stuff that is, and this is going to sound weird, well written but not skillfully written. And what I mean by that is, I, I tried reading the Hunger Games books. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I read the first one, but it was so, like, the language was so clunky and so nonspecific that I couldn't read another one, so I proceeded to listen to them. And that makes sense, because you look at the Hunger Game movies, and they made a lot of different choices in the Hunger Game movies that just do not exist in the books. Like, they're just not there. There's some, like, but the stuff that is very detailed and explained they make sure to bring to life in the in those movies. That's the way it can go good. Or you get something like Holes, where like you've read the whole book, you've seen the whole movie, you've seen the same thing on both ends. <laughs> but the thing about specifically about anime is unless you have something that's like very stylized, like Speed Racer, which Speed Racer is as a live action adaptation is like now considered to be like one of the gold standards. It's a cult classic absolute banger for good reason. You usually have something that was conceived of as a comic book, conceived of as a manga, then adapted into a anime or and oftentimes with something like Cowboy Bebop that was done in reverse. So like the Cowboy Bebop anime came first and then it was they made a Cowboy Bebop manga that's got three volumes you can go find. And then they went an animated movie and a live action TV show that sucks. The weird thing about the live action of this stuff sucking is they don't even need a storyboard. They have shot composition. They have all that stuff. And like, yes, some of it's animation and it's going to be get weird. And that was... That was the big worry around um, around One Piece. Although One Piece is like One Piece kind of not kind of knocked it out of the park. I've talked about that on the show as well. Um, but the it's, you you've got a really good roadmap of like this is what this should look like. This is what this should feel like. This this is what the vibe should be. And they keep. They keep kind of fucking with it. 
They keep making it weird. They keep making it, like, upset. Like, they keep making it different for the sake of difference and not for the sake of, like, this is, like, this is, we're trying to make something clearer, improve something. And you see this, you see this with American comics, too. Like, the Justice League show gives you a great, the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited give you a great demonstration. Really, this is true of all the, like, DC animated specials to some degree, which is wild. Um, I've seen so many of those things when I stop and think about it. If they give you a great, like, way to treat these characters, a way to handle these characters, like, on screen and in their personal lives, they really flesh everything out. But then you flip the coin, you go to the other side, and aside from, like, fucking Batman, kinda, all the other characters are, like, fucking shit shows. And I think that a lot of this is, um, hubris and writers wanting to put their own stamp on something and not knowing where the line is. And it's just, like, this movie feels, you know, like, as okayness faith as something like the live-action Ghost in the Shell. Like, if you, if you take away all the controversy about Ghost in the Shell and you just look at that film, it's just kind of okay. It's not offensively bad. It has some really, it has, like I said, really great production design chops involved in it. But, like, everything's a little left of center. Nothing feels quite right. The ending is atrocious. And part of that, part of this, it's like, you, you have this character, you have Sean Bean, who's eating this entire film for fucking lunch at all times. And you have just kind of everybody else who, I'm not sure how much you're phoning it in, but I know that it's not. I know that it's not, um, not great. But, and hilariously, actually, the um, actor who plays. I, I, th I think it's the, the actor who plays um, Seiya is the, I believe, also the actor who plays Zoro in, um, in the live action One Piece. Yes, he is. Um, but it's like. It's just a weird. He doesn't he, he does, a, he, he does a pretty good job as Zoro because and the, uh, the thing I will say about this actor is he is I'm pretty sure he's Japanese or so um he um he, actually he's American he was born in Los Angeles but um but um he he has a kind of like flippantness in English, but the, like, cultural look for, like, the representation purposes, if that makes any sense. And the, th the thing that probably really kind of focused on in um, One Piece is 
they focused on the actual nationality of all the characters. So, like, Doro's supposed to be Japanese. So they found someone who reads as East Asian, who reads as Japanese, and who is Japanese. So, uh, it... So, so you get, so you get the, like, you get that visual representation that you're missing from something like an avatar, or you're missing from something like Ghost in the Shell. And they also, they, they, so there's a lot of learning happening in terms of, like, pass-fail for the live-action anime adaptation. Like, if you look at... If you look at the worst one I've mentioned so far, Dragon Ball Evolution. That thing is a nightmare. A nightmare. And you look at, not even the best one, I've, the, probably the second one, worst one I've mentioned, which is Ghost in the Shell, which is a Ghost in the Shell movie, the live action movie. The distance between, of, of quality between the Ghost in the Shell live action movie and the Dragon Ball Evolution live-action movie is a chasm. It is wide, they are like wildly different. The Ghost in the Shell movie is so much better than Dragon Ball Evolution that it's beyond the pale. It is unbelievable. No, I'm not saying that that makes um that I'm not saying that that makes the live-action Ghost in the Shell anything other than okay. Once again, that thing is a weird clip show, um, on some level, um. But the the quality the quality has gone past a point, and now we're dealing with this like second level of quality of work because in. In effect, this this show tries to, or has tried to, make this thing a, or this, this um, adaptation has tried to kind of update it and they were re and I think they were really hoping for like this to take off and for it to be its own movie universe because that's what everybody hopes for but it you watch it and you're like what were they thinking it was never going to and this is so there's a real great difference between the Saint Seiya look and design and the Knights of the Zodiac live-action film look and design. And this is a problem I think is showing up in anime right now that showed up in superhero movies in the beginning. Is they're trying to make, and it are still in many superhero movies actually, they're trying to make everything like real and gritty and like, like non-neon colored and like it could exist in reality. So, but what, but the reality is, is that like, this is a show from the 80s. This is a property from the 70s and 80s. Like, 
They all had feathery hair and were wearing spandex half the time. Like, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. That might be more fun. It would... A thing that people kind of came around to when it comes to Speed Racer, the live action Speed Racer, is that, like, what did you think you were going to get from the source material of Speed Fucking Racer? You thought you were going to get something, like, subdued and gritty and real. No. You were going to get Speed Racer. You're going to get fucking Hot Wheels on cocaine. Like, you're going to get what Speed Racer is. If somebody's doing their job right. The. The. The Matrix is. Was pitched by the Wachowski brothers. And. They. Kind of famous. Now famously got. Heavily referenced Ghost in the Shell. To make that film. to In the making of that film. From like the back of neck jack. Whole thing. But. When they were given free reign, when they were like at the height of when they were the height of their powers, the Wachowski sisters then decided, no, we're gonna we're gonna cash in our chips. And everyone was like, on what? And they're like, Speed Racer And everyone went, Okay. They made the Matrix. It made nine billion dollars. Just let them have the money. It can't go that bad. And that and they made the thing they made and it took everybody and I mean everybody me included a long time to come around on that movie and be like no I think Wachowski Brothers made the prop made the correct decision and you have things like Live Die Repeat which is based on a manga called All You Needed Kill you have stuff that has been stealthily based or couched in like manga or anime um, you have anime inf- an- anime influence all freaking over the place. You have probably the best, probably the best shake that any live action animation, live action anime adaptation, film adaptation has gotten so far, have been the Alita, the El- Battle Angel Alita movie. And that's because James Cameron was maniacal about it. And you think they're going to get that same push? No. But it... They had an opportunity here to go... And all, and all anime movies have this opportunity to go full speed racer with it. <laughs> to go, like, what does... You know, what does Saya's freaking red tight sleeveless bodysuit with like minor armor look like what does Saya's like classic golden armor look like because that's not what they gave you they gave you like weird a weird cross between 300 and space marine armor and I mean I'm staring at it right now and it like it This, and this is something that I harp on in my actual job because part of what I do involves like light 3D modeling every once in a while. There's how much of a presence things actually have 
and how much of a presence people believe things have. So, like, you look at, you look at this, you look at the armor they made. Could it be that thin in reality? Probably. Should it be that thin? Hell no. It looks like it's made out of like poster board. It should look like it's made out of metal. It should like have heft. It should, uh, it should feel, it should feel as substantial as the armor feels in the original property and it super doesn't. And in, and I understand that this that this that a uh, movie of this budget and a and a Marvel movie budget are two totally different things. But in a world where you can stick Robert Downey Jr. in a green in a green suit and you can compose the Iron Man armor around him, you need to know that like you're gonna put somebody in armor. It better look. Substantial. You better be able to make it look the part. It better not look like he's wearing a Halloween costume. It better not look like a like rank amateur freaking cosplay. And what's so kind of like sad about this is like uh, uh, MacNeil, I think is I think is the um, actor's name. Is giving a is giving a like he's giving a good performance, but the rest of the movie doesn't it and yeah McNeil is his name but you see him in One Piece as Zoro and he's like hey he's having a lot more fun than he is in this in this film clearly and B like the 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 material is giving is, is giving back what he's giving it like he makes a like side quip in this, and the and the film just doesn't acknowledge it. Just like it's like it doesn't exist. It's like he's been ignored. The only one who like has that play back and forth, who knows how to do that, who does that work, is Sean Bean. And it's just, it's like so. The whole thing is so perplexing because it's like, and once again, I should have known when I was like, oh, hey, is that Mark Dukaskis? Oh, no, <laughs> because Mark Dukaskis, I say what you want about the guy. I'm sure he's a lovely, wonderful man, but he's not, he's not the, he's a particular kind of acting. Once again, I would describe him as a off-brand Nicolas Cage vibe of acting. And this is the kind of movie this is. And it's just, it just doesn't... The, the real shame here is I think that somewhere in the, like, Knights of the Zodiac thing is like a Power Rangers analog that you could really get behind. But I don't think you'll ever get it. I don't think you'll ever get to that point because the thing that will have existed for that long is the Knights of the Zodiac film. Like this, 
So I, and I've probably said this before, I have a real thought process around poor quality movies. Not even bad movies, but poor quality movies. Of which I think this kind of falls into that camp. It's not like... It's one thing that it's not a great movie, but it's another thing that it feels a little undercooked. Is that every time you're watching a movie, when you're judging quality of a movie, you have to remember the back, yeah, I remember in the back of my head that this may be somebody's first movie and it may be somebody's favorite movie. And I'm, I, people can like what they like, I get it, but like that also makes me sad when I'm like, oh, this isn't, this isn't that good. <laughs> They're like, I'm just like, what? So somebody's going to see this and this, this is going to blow somebody's mind and they're going to be like, oh, this is so cool. And they could have seen, it's like, so many things that was so much better. And that's always true, but it's still like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna spend the money it took to make this, I would have, I don't know, like, it, it feels like the only person who's truly, you feel like the only person who's truly trying in a way that you recognize in this film is our Mark Dacascos and Sean Bean. <laughs> Everybody else is like doing their best to get through it. Um, on that note, if you like this podcast, new episodes come out every third day and every every Wednesday and every third day. Third day, you can go listen to the previous um. Wednesday, you can go listen to the previous episode um, on the Wednesday from before this. It is a new show um, that covers five stories I think are important in the week. Um, but until next time, I have been Alex. This has been Lunchbox Radio. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe to it in your podcast player of choice. And be sure to rate it five stars on that same podcast platform of choice if you really like it. And I will talk to you on next Thursday.